0: Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, and Sabbath blessings. We are today, scroll three of the book of Ezekiel. Now this is going to be fun because we actually get to go through the whole scroll, hopefully in one session. We spent quite, I think, four parts on scroll two. So scroll three comes to us from, in the Masoretic text, or the King Jimmy, from Ezekiel, chapter 24, 1, and it extends all the way through to chapter 25, verse 17. So, I will attempt to do this in one session today. Scroll three, and we'll see if we can get through the whole scroll. So, pray the Father give me wisdom and us all understanding, because... I think that going through the book of Ezekiel, to me, has been eye-opening and a comfort for the times, the days that we're living in. And the word of Yahuwah came to me, (coughs) excuse me. Let's try that again. And the word of Yahuwah came to me in the tenth day of the tenth month of the ninth year, saying, Son of man, record this date this exact day, this very day, the king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem. So here we have the time and date stamped to the exact day, to this very day. It is the 10th day of the tenth month in the ninth year, the third scroll, the third vision that the prophet now has. And he delivers this scroll to the elders of Israel as they are camped by a canal off of the river Euphrates. We see here the Hebar, excuse me. This, of course, was the ninth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity. And the beginning of the end. Because what we're going to see, the process of destruction was underway. The process of destruction was underway as Ezekiel is giving this vision. Look at verse 3. Utter a parable concerning the rebellious house. What's this house? The house of Judah. And say unto them, thus says Yahuwah Elohim. So as we go into this portion of the vision, Ezekiel, he's going to go all kind of like Gordon Ramsay on us. He's going to go nuts in the kitchen. And this is a whole cooking analogy. He's going Gordon Ramsay on the children of Israel as they are outside of Babylon. He is literally going to unload on them with all of this amazing cooking vernacular. So we're going to delve right into it. We're going to get into the kitchen of Ezekiel as he describes this amazing cooking parable to give the description of the destruction of Jerusalem. It's really rather brilliant and intricately laid out in every, every point. Remember back at the beginning of the visions of the prophet Ezekiel? Ezekiel described how the residents of Jerusalem, they denied that they'd have to leave the city before the natural end of their lives. And they used the cooking parable to describe, no, no, the meat will always stay in the pot until it's fully matured and it's fully cooked. Yahweh's not going to take us out of the pot early. No, our lives, we're going to live in Jerusalem till we're old in age and we're ready and finally cooked and marinated. And then at the end of our lives, maybe destruction will come to the next generation, but not unto us. No, Yahweh right here is going to tell them that that is not so. In fact, he's going to be using the metaphor that the meat that wouldn't, they thought, be taken out of the pot of Jerusalem before it was fully cooked, before it was fully ripe in age, will actually come into clear view in this. Yahweh now throws their parable of deception right back in their faces. He throws their parable of deception right back in their faces with resounding truth. With the beginning of the cooking process. They were looking at the end. And he is now looking at the beginning of the cooking process. Placing the cooking pot upon the fire. And of course the fire is a metaphor for the siege that Nebuchadnezzar was bringing upon Jerusalem. Sometimes in life, brethren, it's appropriate to just throw things back at people. If they toss it your way, just throw it back at them. Because oftentimes you don't want that. You don't want that. It's appropriate to throw things back at people and let their self-made recipes marinate. They put the mixes into the pot. Maybe you don't want to consume it. Throw it back at them and let their self-made recipes marinate and take on the spices they actually put into the pot themselves you didn't put the spices into their pot they cooked up their own recipe and this is the case of yahuwah and judah he's throwing it right back at them They marinated this, they put the ingredients in, they threw it his direction, and Yaha was like, no. And he threw it right back on them. And now they have to deal with the consequences of the witch's brew that they concocted. This is a parable for all of us to pay attention to today, and something that we should live by. Look at the word of Yahweh. Because if we're going to go all Gordon Ramsay, if I was to go all Gordon Ramsay today and comment on current events in light of this vision, and I'm to use cooking metaphors, and I look today at the things that are going on in the world, I would have to assert that we too today are within the pot we too are within the pot and that pot has just been placed upon the stove it might be on low but it has been placed upon the stove but all the ingredients today they've been added can you see that look at today's current events all the ingredients have been added. The pot has been placed on the stove. And we actually have a recipe for disaster. From Capitol Hill all the way down to commerce. And it looks like we're cooking what? To me? It looks like we're cooking Peking duck with General so's recipe, right? Because it's all these trade tariffs now. It's an economic travesty on the menu and we're on slow and we're on low, but it has all been placed before us. The ingredients for peeking duck is right before our very eyes, to use a cooking metaphor. Put on the pot, put it on, and then pour water onto it. Now, what happens, using and going with this whole cooking analogy, what happens when you pour a little bit of water into the cooking pot? What does that do? It starts to steam. It slows the whole cooking process down, doesn't it? If you put water into the cooking pot, it slows the whole cooking process down. So what's Yahuwah telling them here? He is going to do what? He's going to put them on a slow burn to wholesale slaughter. That's what's going to happen. This isn't going to be an immediate microwave judgment on Judah. Oh no, this is a slow burn. This is a crock pot judgment. He's put a little bit of water in the pot to slow the whole cooking process down. And as you know, the history, as Nebuchadnezzar came in, this was not... Something that happened in a few months. This was a slow cook over many, many years, with multiple, multiple exiles of the leaders of Judah. You see, there never will be microwave of all faith. Our faith is developed over years. it 's a slow process. and judgment. And consequences of sin, it's not microwavable. You don't just go out last night and start sinning and it just hits you, the consequences. It's slow, compounding, crockpot. It will eventually catch up to you and you'll get burnt. You might try and clamber out of the pot, but you'll actually be entrapped by the very ingredients and flavors that you brought forth. People don't seem to realize that. Verse 4, gather the pieces into it. Every good piece, thigh and shoulder, fill it with choice bones. So what this is talking about is Judah's rulers and leaders. These are the choice bones. These are the good pieces that were flocking to the inner pot, to the inner city. Why? Because they wanted to take refuge where they perceived the safety was. This is a lesson for us today because as it was then so it is today our leaders today are planning it again they think That the general population is so dumb that they'll flock to the center of the crockpot because that's where the safety is. Hey, come into the FEMA center. Hey, come into the Red Cross area. Just walk right through that turnstile. Sign your name there. We'll give you some woolen blankets, some vaccinations, and we'll give you some MRE meals. Come into the center of the pot. And you know what? Most people are going to do that. No, this is not a good solution. Verse 5, take the choicest of the flock. You see, we'll always be the elite, the choicest, that will trample over the rest. That's what we see right there in the days of Ezekiel. It's always the elite, the choicest of the flock, that will trample over all the common folk, just to find that perception of safety. You see it today. And pile the bones under it. The bones represent the elite soldiers, the elite soldiers of Judah. The elite will bring in today in our times, when the apocalypse happens, what will they do? They'll bring in these special forces, only to protect what? The choice cuts, just as in Ezekiel's day. It's funny, isn't it, how when you see all these gun um, control politicians and all these gun control actors out there, but they have elite forces protecting them. They have armed bodyguards while they demonstrate about having guns. It's just the same as it was then as it is today. There's nothing new under the sun. As long as peasantry doesn't have the weapons, they'll, they'll, they'll cause a big kerfuffle about, oh, you shouldn't have guns, as their armed security is standing off camera hypocrisy. The elite will be protected. The peasantry will go into the camps. Bring it to a rolling boil. This is the fires of Jerusalem. Those fires of Jerusalem would be super intense. And we know today we've got to deal with fire. The ring of fire. We live on the ring of fire in the United States and eventually that's going to flare up and it's going to be so intense. Some scientists are saying that anything west of I-5 is going to be toast It's all going to fall into the ocean. That's what they're saying. West of I-5 will be toast. Not to mention the migrant fuel that's been added to the flames all across Europe. All across Europe. Bring it to a rolling boil so that its bones also seethe in it. Verse 6 of chapter 24. Therefore, thus says Yahuwah Elohim... Oy, to the city of bloodshed, to the pot whose corrosion is in it, whose rust will not come off of it. Now, of course, this represents the wicked people in Jerusalem. They've become so corrupt, and their corruption was from the inside out. And that's why Yahusha came along, and he said to them, You know, you're just whitewashed tombs sepulchres full of dead men's bones. The problems that you have with one another, where do arguments and wars come from? They come from your own selfish desires from within yourselves. We have to clean the rust and the corrosion off from the inside of us so that we can truly be a good saver to those around us. But the problem is it's everybody else's fault instead of us looking inward, we tend to tend to look outward because it's so much easier. But we've got to get off of our own rust. We've got to get off of our own corruption. Me, as well as you, we look inward. Scrub your own pot. That's really what he's saying. Draw it out, piece by piece. No lot would fall for it. Meaning, the exile wasn't going to be quick and painless. No, Yahuwah would draw it out. He would make this a lengthy process, a slow burn. By adding water to the cooking, it slowed the whole process down. Different cuts would be emptied out into exile stage by stage. The first cut was what? Jehoiakim. Then another cut of meat was emptied out into the exile Jehoiachin, and then another cup. Finally, Zedekiah. That cut of meat was emptied out of the pot into the exile. So this is what it's talking about. Draw out piece by piece. Ezekiel is using this Gordon Ramsay nuts on them, you know? And they're like, they haven't, they're not, they're not taking it. But he's actually using this whole cooking metaphor to really bring forth the judgment that's about to happen. Today, as I look around and I see the political landscape, what do we have? We have pieces being drawn out of the pot. Choice piece by choice piece. A piece of meat being taken out. Another piece of meat being taken out. Another piece of meat. Look what's being drawn out today before us. Drawn out from what? The dregs whose corruption is from within itself. First, we've got the movie spectrum. First of all, they're taking that piece of meat, Weinstein. They're drawing him out. The next thing you know, Kevin Spacey. Boom, they're taking him out of the pot. The next thing you know, it's Crosby. He's out of the pot. The next thing you know, it's MSNBC's Matt Lara. He's out of the pot. And then we've got Rose and finally Hoffman, out of the pot. They're just dragging all these people out of the pot. And you're like, what's going on? And that's just in the media landscape. Because their corruption is within themselves. Look at the political spectrum. I mean, not many people are aware of the cuts that have been taken out of the pot. We've got the U.S. Attorney, fired. The U.S. Deputy Attorney General, fired. The FBI Director, fired. We've got the Director of National Security, Fired. All of them taken out of the pot. we got the senior director of National Security Council. Fired. This is, this is unprecedented. We've got the communications director. Fired. Out of the pot. We've got the national security advisor. Resigned under pressure. Out of the pot. We've got the deputy chief of staff. Resigned under pressure. Out of the pot. Don't you see what's cooking in the witch's cauldron? And they're literally taking the pieces out right before us. This is a cooking metaphor. Have the eyes to see through the word. Forty different, 47, excuse me, different cuts have been taken out recently, out of the pot. 47 different cuts of meat have been taken out of the pot, emptied out of DC, emptied out of Hollywood's Witch's Cauldron. It's amazing to me. Don't you see how no lots, like in our text, no lots were cast either, were they? All of these people were found guilty without ever going to trial. You're guilty until proven innocent just through slander and malicious words. Isn't that amazing? That's the kind of society that we live in. Usually, You'd have an impending army that would cast lots for the booty of a nation or a city. But it was a free-for-all, just a total free-for-all, full-sale carnage and mayhem. There was a wholesale indiscriminate slaughter that came upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. There was no casting of lots. There was no order. There was no legal process. Today... There was no casting of lots. There was no order. There was no legal process. Just an indiscriminate outing of people, right? Outed as guilty before any trial of jury before their peers. They were removed. There was total, even in spaces, a reshuffling of the house of cards. Excuse the metaphor, right? But a total reshuffling of the deck. No casting of lots. Ezekiel says, same thing back in the times of the wicked kings of Judah. For her bloodshed, verse 7, is in her midst. She put it on the bare rock. She did not pour it upon the ground to cover it with dust, so it stirs up wrath for taking vengeance. I have put her blood on bare rock that it may not be covered. This is a total An utter desecration of Yahuwah's word from the top all the way down. The leaders hunted down Zechariah the prophet as if he was wild game to be devoured. Yet they were so wicked that even their wickedness desecrated the word of Yahuwah. Look what it says in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 13. Any person... From the children of Israel or from the outsiders dwelling among them who hunts as game any animal or bird that may be eaten must drain its blood and cover it with dust. What do you have to do? When you parade your perversion in the open square and society accepts that, you're in violation of just common decency with your fellow human beings leviticus 17 verse 13 says there's a proper way to do things that even if you're going to hunt you're even going to go after wild game at least have the decency to cover up the blood with the dust of the earth But when you parade your perversion in the open square, when you come out of your closet forcing the innocent to view your sacrilege and your perversion, it's as in the days of Ezekiel when people just committed murder publicly, letting the blood flow upon a smooth rock where it could never even soak into the ground. We're in those days Literally, you're trying to raise a child and you can't even walk the streets because you don't want your child to see the profane things that go on right before you. You have to be careful. I've literally had to cross the road when I've seen things coming my direction on the pavement. Because I'm like, I don't want my children to see that and ask those kinds of questions. Well, why are they doing that? It's on public display in the open marketplace. People aren't even covering it with dust. What do we do when society has gone that far? It's as if they don't even want to hide their atrocious acts. That's what it was in the days of Ezekiel. They would literally murder in public and they would let the blood flow on an open stone where it had no hope of soaking into the ground in accordance with Leviticus seventeen thirteen. The seething blood of Zechariah the prophet and priest flowed for two hundred and fifty years before. Incredibly, it wasn't the wrath of Yahuwah that was stirred up over the blood. It was actually the wrath of Nebuzadan, the chief executioner of Nebuchadnezzar, when he saw that. He's the one that took revenge on the old men, on the young men, on the women, and on the children. Meaning, all of this outing, all of this public displays of indecency, it will eventually come back on the ones that are doing it. It will eventually be their very demise. As all of these agendas are being pushed and being tried to shovel down the next generation's throat, well, eventually it's going to backfire. Because when you fill young people's heads with propaganda from the time they're in the public school system, eventually it will backfire and they'll question and go, no, And you're seeing that more and more and more. Liberals that are tired of the liberal narrative that are actually coming over to more of a conservative worldview. Because they're like, they've gone nuts. They've gone nuts. We shouldn't discriminate upon people. Age, agenda, gender, nationality, religion, all of that stuff. But apparently, it's totally acceptable to discriminate upon somebody's political persuasion that you can exclude them from a restaurant and say, yeah, get out of here. But it's discrimination. You're just crying, no discrimination, yet you discriminate. (coughs) Oh, meaning you don't want people to discriminate on the things that are important to you. But if it's not important to you, Discrimination is okay. People are seeing through the argument. They're seeing through it. Liberals are sitting there like, no, that's not right. If we're not to discriminate, then we shouldn't discriminate, period. And I agree with that. Period. That doesn't mean you condone sin. You hate the sin and you love the sinner. Because I've seen many a sinner that people would discriminate against, come into the faith. And that, to me, is an amazing testimony. Turning someone who was Yahweh's enemy into a friend. I think there's a proverb about that. Verse 9. Therefore says Yahuwah Elohim... Oy, to the city of bloodshed, I will also make the pile great, heaping on the wood, kindling the fire, boiling the meat well, and mixing in the spices. Yahweh now starts to actively take revenge in the vision. Israel's sins have increased, so Yahweh will now intensify the judgment in fine detail, even down to mixing in the spices, spices. Make the meat appetizing, don't they? Yahweh is going to make Jerusalem appetizing to her enemies. He's going to draw her enemies right on top of her. Yahweh is now going to see to it that the people are tender and easy to consume by the sword. He's making that meat nice and tender, appetizing, because Yahweh is in fact the one mixing the spices into the pot. The people's fear will increase and then they'll turn to jelly the people's fear will increase and then they'll turn to jelly and what happens when well-cooked meat in a liquid becomes softer and softer it begins to disintegrate into a jelly-like blob doesn't it but let the bones be burned Verse 11, I will set it empty upon the coals until it gets hot and its copper scorches so its impurity will be melted, its corrosion consumed. Keep the pot on the fire. Keep the pot on the fire until even its walls get scorched out. And then all the remnants, all the filth that try to scale its walls, those that would try to scale its walls, try and climb out of the pot to escape, well, they'll totally be burned too. Those people that tried to climb out of the pot of Jerusalem. They ended up getting burnt too. You're seeing that in DC now. People trying to climb out of that pot. People that are trying to climb out of the pot in Hollywood. Guess what? They're getting totally scorched as they clamber up the sides. Because they mixed in the spices themselves. And the corruption within within itself. And we get to sit out on the outside and watch it all. At some point. You can try and get out of your sin, but your sin will become a trap which is sprung, a snare, a net you've spun so tight that there's no escaping it. Even if you change your mind, you sprung your own trap on yourself. You'll look around. You'll look around and you go, well, well what happened? How did I, how did I get here? How did I end up here? Well, it it was your own recipe. It It was your own plans. You just sprung your own trap on yourself. Didn't you see that? At some point, you have to just learn to give people over to the way that they've determined to walk and determined to think. And I know so many of you you try to argue and change the minds of those that you love, or those that you've fellowshipped with, but there's no doing it. Only the ruach will change a person. We can't. You just have to give the people over to their own desires and let the springs of their own traps flip. That's when Yahweh works. I have such a better relationship now with those closer to me not through contention and debate but by just living and by just relinquishing people to make their own choices I can only make my own choice I can't choose for you I'm not going to persuade you and you shouldn't try to persuade me Yahweh through the Ruach will persuade us through the word and there is conviction it's the Judas syndrome it's the Judas syndrome given over burning the metaphorical pot may well feel good in the moment but it'll forever limit your access to the choice cuts you end up cutting yourself off from your options to the next season of blessing which is on the menu Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to your family? And now you're all alone. Now you're isolated. Why would you do that for your kids? It has wearied toil. Yet its thick rust will not come off it. Into the fire with its corrosion. Because of your filthy obscenity. Though I try to purify you, yet you were not made pure. You will never be cleansed from your filth until I have satisfied my fury upon you. I, Yahuwah, have spoken. It is coming and I will do it. I will not let go, not pity, not relent, according to your ways and according to your deeds. They will judge you. It is a declaration of Yahuwah. So Yahweh tried to cleanse them. He tried to cleanse the inhabitants of Judah. He tried to cleanse them with the rebukes of Jeremiah the prophet. He tried to rebuke, uh, to cleanse them with the rebukes of the prophets. But they rejected those prophets. So now... They became immune to rebuke. They refused to listen. So they'll never be cleansed. What happens then? There's only judgment that awaits. Have you ever tried speaking to somebody, tried to rebuke somebody, and they just refused to listen? Because in their own mind, they did nothing wrong. They did nothing wrong. Sadly, we live amongst a society that's rejected the Bible. They've rejected the great ministers of the gospel. So now, all that awaits for a large segment of our society that's gleefully proud of their sanctioned sin is judgment. It's judgment. Now, we're going to get into some end time revelation about Yahweh and the relationship to the temple. Because there's many Hebrew roots and messianics that are all gung-ho about, oh, the Jews are going to rebuild the temple. Oh, there's going to be a new temple and we're all going to go trotting off to Jerusalem. and Animal sacrifices are going to be implemented like this is a good thing. I'm like, what about the sacrifice of Yahushua? What about that we're the living temple? Well, how does Yahuwah ask us in the word, not my opinion, in the word to view the temple and its destruction? Because Ezekiel and his wife symbolized the relationship between Yahuwah and the temple. Both were beloved and both would be destroyed through no fault of their own, but because of the sins of others. So the first temple and the second temple, they were destroyed not because of their lack of beauty, but because of the sins of others. Ezekiel 24, verse 15. The word of Yahweh came to me saying, Son of man, Ben-Adam, behold, I am about to take away the desire of your eyes with a single blow. But do not lament, do not weep, or allow any tears to flow. Sigh silently, do not observe mourning for the dead. Keep your turban fastened and keep your sandals on your feet. Do not cover your lip or eat the bread of mourners. Verse 18. So I spoke to the people in the morning and my wife died in the evening. The prophet Ezekiel's wife died in the evening. And in the morning I did just as I was commanded. The people said to me, won't you tell us what these things are you are doing mean to us? Then I said to them, the word of Yahweh came to me saying, speak to the house of Israel. Thus says Yahuwah Elohim, behold, I will profane my sanctuary. The pride of your might. The desire of your eyes. And the longing of your soul. The sons and your daughters. That you have left behind. Will fall by the sword. You will do just as I have done. You will not cover your upper lips. Or eat the bread of mourners. Your turbans will remain on your heads. And your shoes on your feet. You will not lament. You will not weep, but you will pine away in your iniquities and groan to each other. Ezekiel will be a sign for you, just as he has done, you will do. When this comes, you will know that I am Yahuwah. So today, in modern day Judaism, on the ninth of Av, what did the Jews do? They weep, they fast, and they mourn for the destruction of the first and second temple. And today we have many, many a Christian Zionist, many a Messianic that will join in on the ninth of Av with that weeping, with that reflection, with that mourning for the physical destruction of the temple that happened over 2,000 years ago, looking anxiously forward. To the rebuilding of the third temple to the institution of animal sacrifices, as if this is going to usher in the coming of the Messiah, when in reality, it's going to usher in the coming of the Mashiach Naged, the anti-Messiah and the spirit of anti-Messiah that is already manifest by even wanting those desires of a third temple to be rebuilt. Because the reality is, We are instructed. It's a command in the scripture. Don't mourn for the destruction of the temple. Ezekiel, your wife, is a metaphor for the temple and an analogy here, if you will. And you're not to mourn because you're to demonstrate and communicate to the people that the temple is not to be mourned for or pined over. Because we know that there's one coming in the prophetic future, Ezekiel, that is going to usher in a living temple through his final sin sacrifice for mankind and usher in a whole new realm of prophetic reality why do we miss that today because if we make the mistakes that they did in Judah we will find ourselves with the acts of judgment and the sword of judgment also as they did just say no to the ninth of Av. just say no to the ninth of Av. because if we're following Yahuwah we don't mourn for the destruction of the temple like the rabbinic Jews do, like the messianics and many in the Hebrew roots. It's a command right here in the text. People are desecrating the word of Yahweh in favor of tradition whilst crying out against church folk for doing the same thing on the other side of the aisle. It's hypocrisy. Pointing fingers at this group over here when in reality you're pining for a temple and mourning for its destruction and hoping for a third one to be built when the Bible says don't do that. You're supposed to be the living temple. Yahushua is the final sin sacrifice. Why would you want animal sacrifices to come back on the altar and rejoice with unregenerate Jews? I have no idea. Ashkenazi, sons of Japheth. It's such a mind bomb. When you start to unravel the things that we've unraveled over the past few years, it brings you into this Zedek royal priesthood of understanding that truly is a game changer for our days and life that we live in. What's really interesting is if you look at the words in the Hebrew, husband and wife, husband... Is um, spelt aleph yod shin. It's the Hebrew word ish, and wife is spelt aleph shin hay isha isha. So husband is the Hebrew word ish, aleph yod shin, but wife is the Hebrew isha, which is aleph shin hay. What's the commonality? Both contain the name of Yahweh. What's the teaching here? The Yod in Ish and the He in Isha, we have the name of the Creator, right? Meaning, if a husband and wife build their marriage on Yahuwah, His very presence will dwell in the midst of them. But there's another Hebrew teaching out of these two words. Because conversely, if they decide to let their marriage become a partnership with the world, then Yahweh's presence leaves their marriage. The yod and the hay are removed from the text and you're left with another Hebrew word, Aleph, Sheen, Esh, Fire. Fire. So without the yod and the hay, Within marriage, you have a partnership which becomes a fire of passion, which will eventually consume you and bring forth destruction upon your temple. And what do we have today? What do people call those unsanctioned marriages and relationships which are in violation to the word of Yahuwah? Well, here's me and my partner. You have a consuming fire of passion that's going to destroy you. Because the yod and the hay are not in a partnership. They're only in a biblically sanctioned marriage. And that is where Yahuwah dwells in the midst. He does not dwell in the midst of a civil union without the yod and the hay. You only have Fire! Right there within the language. It's powerful, isn't it? That's a teaching right there in itself. On how to walk out a proper biblical marriage. It's ironic, really, in the light of the unsanctioned, unbiblical things that are going on today. With people walking around with their partners... In the fires of destruction, because sexual sin is a destruction of your own temple. Look what it says here. You, Son of Man, on the day when I take from them their stronghold, the joy of their glory, the desire of their eyes, the longing of their soul, as well as their sons and their daughters, on that day a fugitive will come to you to tell you the news. On that day your mouth will be open to him who escaped. You will speak and no longer be mute. So you will be a sign for them, and they will know that I am Yahweh. So there's a time for us to hold our tongue, and there's a time for us to testify. Look at chapter 25, verse 1. The word of Yahuwah came to me saying, Son of man, set your face towards the children of Ammon and prophesy against them. Say to the children of Ammon, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahuwah Elohim, because you said, Aha! against my sanctuary when it was defiled, against the land of Israel when it was made desolate, and against the house of Judah when they went into exile. So right Here Yahuwah warns us then and now the character traits of the sons of Kedar those nomadic tent dwellers those descendants of Ishmael and the followers of the pre-Islamic moon god sin therefore behold I will give you over to the children of the East as a possession They will set up their camps among you and make their dwellings among you. They will eat your fruit and drink your milk. So these pre-Islamic tent dwellers Well, in our very days, we'll find them what on the shores of Europe and America in the millions as they literally set up their makeshift migrant dwellings amongst you, terrorizing the local communities and stealing the food from the very neighborhood markets that you used to frequent that have now become unsafe for you. There's places in Sweden that you can't even go as a Swede, there's places in London that I used to run around with, when, run around in when I was a teenager, that I can't even go nowadays. Look at verse five. I will make Rabah a grazing place for camels, and the children of Ammon a resting place for flocks. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. For thus says Yahuwah Elohim, because you have clapped your hands, you have stomped your feet and rejoice with all the disdain of your soul against the land of Israel. Therefore, behold, I will stretch out my hand over you. I will deliver you as plunder for the nations. I think a giant got hold of my microphone last week in the middle of the week or something. Because it is like totally not fit to my ear. Did you mess with it? How about you? You're a pretty big fella. Oh, somebody's been messing with it. Some bigot. I hope I... Oh, I won't say that. Okay. Where was I? Thank you. Verse. I'm glad somebody's paying attention. Little break there. For thus says Yahuwah Elohim, because you have clapped your hands and stomped your feet and rejoiced with all the disdain of your soul against the land of Israel. Therefore, behold, I will stretch out my hand over you. I will deliver you as plunder for the nations. I will cut you off from the people. I will cause you to perish from among the countries. I will destroy you. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. I mean, I never got any of these kind of teachings in Calvary Chapel. I mean, this is about judgment, destroying you, not getting caught up in sin, having biblically sanctioned marriages so that fire doesn't burn you because of the desires of your own sin. We don't want to talk about that, do we? Yes, we do. This is what the life's about. Yes, Yahweh is full of love. But that is one of his attributes. There's 12 other attributes. And one of those is judgment to the third and fourth generation. So you can also, oh, well, God is that's not very loving. Well, you just want to focus on his one attribute. It's like focusing on my lovely big toe. That's my best attribute. Yes, right. But there are 12 other attributes as well. Like my sharp-witted tongue that you don't like, that you really do. You see? It's a love-hate relationship. I'm like Marmite. You either love me or you hate me. Pretty salty, right? I love Marmite. I have to have it every single day. My daughter is smiling in the back there. We use it as punishment upon my children. Now what verse am I in? (laughs) Marmite verse. Eight. Eight. Thus says Yahuwah Elohim, because Moab and Seir say, See, the house of Judah is like all the other nations. Therefore, behold, I will expose the mountain slope of Moab with all its cities. From its frontier cities, the glorious country of Beth Jeshnoth, Baal, Mion, and Kirithim, I will deliver it together with the children of Ammon to the children of the east as a possession so that the children of Ammon will not be remembered among the nations. Then I will execute judgments upon Moab. Then they will know that I am Yahuwah. Thus says Yahuwah Elohim. Because Edom has taken severe vengeance against the house of Judah and has grievously offended by taking revenge upon them. Now, this harkens back, of course, we remember I did the teaching on Obadiah. I think that was uh, that's a, that's a very short book. I think I did that in two parts. But this harkens back to the very words of the prophet Obadiah in the 14th verse. Edom would stand in the crossroads and try to kill any of the inhabitants of Jerusalem as they try to escape. What kind of people do that? what kind of people do that? I'll tell you what kind of people do that. If you don't think once either martial law or Sharia law hits the Islamicized cities of Europe, that the migrants won't be waiting for the Anglos with butcher knives, they won't be waiting for the inhabitants of Europe with drawn butcher knives at the crossroads, then you haven't been to New York or London recently because they're already doing it. You must be asleep at the wheel if you don't see that these are doing the same things as the sons of Edom, standing in the crossroads and killing those who try to escape. There has been a demographic Change to the landscape over the past 20 years that we are now seeing in all of our neighborhoods all of our neighborhoods especially as the populations become denser you're seeing this happening more and more all over the world and of course europe london is the thermometer which is telling you what temperature will be blowing your way. Europe, you may as well call it Arabia. London, Londinistan. The Tower Hamlets in London is the Islamic Republic of the Tower Hamlets in East Londinistan. This is a reality. London's choice for mayor pretty much sums it all up, doesn't it? And the court's decision with Tommy Robinson and the death blow pretty much sums it up what winds have changed in Islamaland, right? Everywhere. In England, they're trying to turn Birmingham, Bradford, Derby... Dewberry, Leeds, Leicester, Liverpool, Luton, Manchester, Sheffield, as well as Walton Forest in northeast London and the Tower Hamlets into autonomous enclaves ruled by Islamic Sharia law that would operate entirely, entirely outside of British jurisprudence. These are British territories targeted for blanket Sharia law by 2025. And the politicians are backing it. And the people that speak out are thrown into Islamicized prisons to be killed. This is the world that we're living in. Verse 13, therefore thus says Yahuwah Elohim, I will stretch out my hand upon Edom. I will cut off man and beast from it. I will make it desolate. There was even a report in England that the government was saying that parents need to monitor how many butcher knives there are in their kitchen stock because so many young muslim youth are taking the butcher knives out of the houses and killing people on the streets of londonistan there is more violent knife crime in london than there ever has been in fact i think the murder rate has gone to such such unprecedented that the Metropolitan Police just don't know what to do because nobody's got the stomach to do what needs to be done. Nobody's got the stomach to do what needs to be done. You cannot turn the tide when the floodgates that Angela Merkel opened have opened. And if you speak up about it, then they tried to shame you with name-calling but if you're not being called a Nazi if you're not being called a name then you're not doing enough in your community you're being silent because that's the only thing that the aggressors can do is call people's names. call people names to try and shout them down it's the culture of shut up that I've spoken about so many times So many times. Therefore thus says Yahuwah Elohim, I will stretch out my hand upon Edom. I will cut off man and beast from it. I will make it desolate from Teman to Dedan. They will fall by the sword. I will take my vengeance upon Edom by the hand of my people Israel. They will do in Edom according to my anger and according to my fury. They will know my vengeance. It's a declaration of Yahweh. Thus says Yahuwah Elohim. Because the Philistines have acted in revenge and have taken severe vengeance. With scornful soul destroying in unending hatred. Therefore, thus says Yahuwah Elohim, Behold, I will stretch out my hand over the Philistines. I will cut off the Cherethites and destroy the remnant of the seacoast. I will execute severe vengeance upon them with furious punishments, so they will know that I am Yahuwah when I lay my vengeance upon them. This... Third vision. It's, it, it really is quite devastating to hear. Because it's full of judgment. So how do I deliver this and turn it into a frilly sermon? I don't. It's about judgment. And there's a time when Yahweh wants to speak to his people about judgment. Firstly, you and I need to judge ourselves. Get the rust and the corrosion off the inside of your pot. That's the first thing. And I'm not preaching to you. I'm talking to myself as I'm talking to you. Get the corrosion off of ourselves. But also, be careful what you look at, what you speak, and who you associate with. Because sometimes you'll get caught up in a cauldron that people have mixed all kinds of spices into. And then you'll try and clamber out of that pot and it'll be too late. You'll spring your own trap on the words that you've spoken about others. And you'll go, well, how did I get here? You've been working on the recipe for months. And now you're partaking of the fatness of that meal. And you've got inner digestion. And you feel sick. Sometimes if somebody throws something at you, Just throw it right back and walk away. Because people cook up their own brew and you have to decide whether you want to walk with that or you want to walk somewhere else. As for me and my house, we do this and we're in the Word in prayer and try to walk a simple, quiet and peaceable life. Because the Word is truly a recipe for a fragrant life That people can smell and savor and that's what we're to do to be a sweet savor with our prayers and we pray for our enemies and those that would try to abuse us because that turns a curse back on itself and cannot touch you but if you try and harbor things inside of you against others it only ends up hurting yourself that's why the master said forgive everyone even those that would try to do wrong for you, because it's going to better you and bring you into the next season of blessing. I'm a testimony of that. It's amazing to see how the Father is bringing us into the next season of blessing by walking out His Word with a contrite and broken spirit brings forth what? Humbleness, but also strength of the inner self because there's a dependence upon Yahweh. It's time for us all to awaken to the reality of where we find ourselves when we read this text. Where do we find ourselves in this prophetic time in history that Yahweh chose to put you in? That Yahweh chose to bring you in to this world? He could have put you in the middle of the dark ages, He could have been riding around on a horse. But no, he chose to bring you in, in this season of your life, in this season of the world's life. Why? So that you could be part of that change by implementing the word to the community around you. Now of all times is not the time to be cutting yourself off from one another, is it? Now of all times... When we live in such a divided world, it's not the time to be cutting ourselves off from one another. Don't spring your own trap, which will only set you and your loved ones on a path to being even more isolated from the field of faith and the faithful. Why would you do that to yourself? Why would you do that to your children? Stay clear. Of a scornful soul stay clear of a scornful soul be wary of the cook whose recipes bring heartburn and indigestion you shouldn't want any part of that but they had become so used to that kind of cooking in Judah that they couldn't see the judgment because they were so used to that chef's brew that they couldn't see that the judgment was coming upon that very pot. Yahweh is stretching out both hands. You just get to choose which one to take a hold of. One's for blessing, and another one's for bitterness and barrenness. Well, they chose the wrong hand. They ended up with bitterness and barrenness and a pot of destruction. that Yahweh poured water in, because it wasn't going to be a quick judgment. It was a slow burn. Don't choose the slow burn. Clean the inside of the pot and you'll find that your life will be a blessing not only to you but to those that you're able to be around. That's the testimony. This is about judgment, but it's also giving us the tools for healing and health in the nations. So I love this scroll. It was a fast one. it in one shot i hope i would next week we'll be in scroll four of ezekiel and his prophetic visions scroll four next week and again any questions comments at all we can close in prayer Abba, we thank you, Abba, and just pray that the words of the prophet would truly marinate a flavor that would be a sweet fragrance into your very nostrils, Abba, as we see the power of the word can transform us from the inside out. Abba, we pray that truly your word would really, really manifest and minister to us all in Yahusha's mighty name. Amen? Amen. Be blessed.